It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And welcome back to Decal Download. I'm Rich Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Well, for the fifth consecutive year, DECAL has named two Georgia's pre-K program Teachers of the Year, recognizing the outstanding efforts of all pre-K teachers and assistant teachers who implement this nationally recognized program every day. And Commissioner, this year's winners are from Hiram and Rome, and we get to talk with them today. Yeah, I can't wait uh, for our audience to hear from both of them, and I will say that, um, you know, we support and are so proud of all of our pre-K teachers of the year. Um, and but these two um, have really <laughs> stepped up and I'm so glad we're able to um, continue to celebrate um, two teachers that have really demonstrated excellence in the classroom, even during a pandemic. So um, kudos that we're able to continue um, the celebration and recognition of pre-K teachers. And, you know, getting named pre-K teacher of the year isn't easy. This is no. like our American idol, our America's got <laughs> talent. You go through classroom observations and make videos and do professional interviews with a panel. And it's crazy. We're going to get into it. Uh, but we definitely want to recognize our pre-K teachers of the year. So joining us today, Alderine Healy from the YMCA Paulding Early Learning Center in Hiram. If you've never been to Hiram, you don't know what you're missing out on, folks. <laughs> you need to go. And Heather Melillo from West End Elementary School in beautiful Rome, Georgia. And along with them, our own Megan McNeil, Summer Transition and Outreach Manager for Georgia's Pre-K program. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's start by getting to know you better. Let's uh, ask both Alderine and Heather, how long have you been a pre-K teacher? What were you doing previously that led to this important role? Alderine, let's start with you. Hi, thanks for having you. So I've been in the pre-K program for 10 years. I started as an assistant and then went back to school to get the qualifications to be a lead. Uh, before becoming an early childhood educator, I was in the pharmaceutical and healthcare industry. My first degree, my bachelor's is in business and I've worked in finance, business development, sales and marketing and PR. Uh, while I enjoyed my experience working in corporate and getting opportunities um, to support life-changing HIV initiatives in the Caribbean, I had to make a change when I started a family. The extensive traveling did not support the type of mother that I wanted to be. Um, when I considered a new career path, I wanted to work with kids because as a foster child, you want to help other kids. But I also wanted to do something fun and meaningful. Early childhood education checked all my boxes. I'm having fun, interacting, playing, teaching these small people as they give me and teach me unconditional love. I enjoy the adorable and appalling remarks they make. I know what I'm doing is meaningful. My instructions are fundamental to a child's development and the environment that I create in my classroom will determine how a child views and experiences life. Now, I don't wanna jump over something you just said and it's interesting, you were a foster child? Yes, I am, I am adopted, yes. So the first thing I thought about was social work but then after researching that career, it's meaningful, but I think it lacked the fun I was looking for in this new career. Mm -hmm. How many times do you look at your kids and think about your experience working in corporate America and which you would prefer, <laughs> corporate or your kids? I think everyone in corporate is jealous of what we're doing because I felt that way when I was in corporate. I was jealous that these early childhood educators get to spend all this time with my kid. And I think this would be everybody's dream if a lot could afford to do it. Right. So what, what, what 
else can it be to spend all this time with these angels? <laughs> I mean, it, it, we don't have that in corporate America. <laughs> No, no, I know. I've been there. I know what you're talking about. That's great. Heather, let's uh, let's go back and get a little background on you. How long have you been a pre-K teacher? What were you doing before that? So I have been a pre-K teacher for about 10 years as well. Um, five of those have been in New York. I grew up on Long Island. Um, and then my family relocated down here to Georgia. I tried to stay in New York. I was not coming down to Georgia. I was not leaving. Um, I was set in my ways and then my sister started a little family and I was missing out on my nephew and, and my family, they were here doing everything and I was alone. So I took the leap and I came down and uh, got a job here in Georgia as a pre-K teacher. So I've always been a teacher. I've not had a second career. Um, since I'm six years old, I've wanted to be a teacher and I've taught kindergarten first grade and second grade and pre-k by far is my favorite um the little kids you can't have a bad day i mean the hugs that they give you the looks they give you um the words of encouragement they give is amazing so i really truly feel like this is my calling in life and i am just loving every day it's not work i don't feel like i have to come to work every day this is what i love doing now, don't say that too loud because they might stop paying. So <laughs> you you got to be careful. Surely I do want to know, at, are you sold on Georgia at this point? I truly have accomplished more in my five years living down in Rome, Georgia, than I did in 32 years up in New York. Wow. I have, wow. I have um, got myself a my specialist degree down here. I have purchased a home on my own. Hashtag don't need a man. That's me. Um, so sorry. Um, but on my own, um, you know, so I've accomplished so much. I've got a dream job and um, I'm loving life. I, I do what I want to do. I'm a big concert goer. So this pandemic needs to end because I miss <laughs> music. I miss socializing and um, I'm just living my best life down here in Georgia. So, yes, I am sold on Georgia. This is where we roll in that logo and the made in Georgia that you see at the end of some TV shows. What a great endorsement. Thank you. That's, that's yeah, great. I agree. Well, due to the pandemic and the need for social distancing, we had to use Zoom calls to surprise you with the news last October that you were both winners. Um, Heather, how did that go for you? Okay. So <laughs> it's funny because um, Jay, asked me to have a meeting on a Friday. And I'm like, all right, I'm not thinking anything of it. Honestly, I wasn't. And I went to dinner with one of my best friends and I'm telling her, you know, the things that I had to get done. And I got all the paperwork that I needed for this conference. And, and then we start talking and she looks at me and she's like, girl, who, who has a meeting on a Friday <laughs> afternoon at three 30 before a fall break, nonetheless. Right. So then all of a sudden I was like, Oh my gosh, my stomach hurt. I was like, Oh my God, could this really be it? Oh no. Well then, you know, my principal avoided me that whole week because, you know, he didn't want to say anything, you know? And then, um, my, my best friend got a bunch of my teacher friends rallied up. They were in the hallway. So after the zoom call, they were all out there cheering and everything. And it was, it was really cool. Although we missed having y'all come in and do that big announcement. It was still very special because, my friend rallied everybody up and it was, it was cool. It really was. That is great. What about you, Alderine? For me, I had no clue because <laughs> I didn't know the steps. I didn't know what would come next. So I am thinking that maybe they're going to call all of us together and tell us how wonderful we are and then choose and then announce it. So oh, like a beauty pageant. So I was looking and I said to my director, I'm telling you, if they call and tell me how wonderful and I didn't win, I'm not going to be smiling and going, yes, it's okay. <laughs> so I had no clue we were at that stage where you actually had the finalist. Um, that Friday, they went out of the way. Our executive director came, our vice president came by, but I thought he was just doing a walkthrough. I didn't see anybody because all the senior management was apparently hidden somewhere. So I honestly had no clue. Um, the fact that we were having a meeting at 3.30 on Friday, it did, that was not a red flag to me because of this whole pandemic where everything is different. So that wasn't even a clue to me. But it was great because when I found out afterwards that all my colleagues were in on it, 
and they went out of their way to make this a surprise that really felt good. And the fact that the senior management from the Y actually masked up and took that trip from Atlanta to share in my special moment, that was really an honor for me. So I really did enjoy it. Mm. I got to tell you, as someone observing the calls, and I was uh, privileged to be uh, on the call, uh, it was emotional uh, to see you guys uh, receive this honor, and then your response to it was just amazing. And um, I, I know we would have loved to have been in person, but it was a great uh, experience. I've always wanted to say this. It sounds like a game show, but Megan, as pre-K teachers of the year, Alderine and Heather, what do they receive? <laughs> <laughs> What do we well, have for them, Megan? Uh, yes, and I always get to like tell them all the good stuff, like the money they're going to get and all the fun things they're going to do. But um, we are excited um, to be able to have given them $3,000 each um, for themselves to do whatever they want with. Um, and we always specifically tell the teachers, do something for you. Don't spend it on your classroom. And then we also were able to give them $3,000 for their classroom to purchase whatever they want, um, usually in pre-K. They have to stick to the basic supply and equipment list and buy things off of that for their classroom. And we always tell them, go above and beyond that. Do something that you wouldn't ever be able to do otherwise. And then we also give the school, um, this year they receive $500. Um, typically, it's more than that, but typically they're doing more. They're coming out in the field. They're me going to meetings with us and, and different events. And unfortunately, right now, they're not able to do that. So the money that the school got is a little bit smaller. We are hoping maybe at some point, later in the spring that we get to see y'all somewhere <laughs> um, face to face. But if not, um, that money can just go back into the school and into the classroom. So of course, we're curious to know how you guys use that money if you've used it so far. So Alderine, do you mind sharing with us how you've used it or some of it? Yes, I was so thankful for the prize money because it gave me the opportunity to sponsor a pre-K team building activity and we have not done that forever. So that was just wonderful for me to be able to sponsor that. And I also hosted a pizza lunch for the staff so that they can join me in the celebrations. I also donated some money to the YMCA campaign um, fundraiser um, for the scholarship fund so that all kids, all families can participate in our program. And the money stretched to make some life-changing um, stuff for my relatives. Um, I have a sister that's bedridden, so I was able to do some stuff for her. And um, for my family, we went out to dinner at some of my favorite restaurants. And for my kids in the classroom, they got some special Christmas gifts. <laughs> awesome. That is amazing. What about you, Heather? So I have not spent my personal money yet. Um, I have not. Um, there's lots of different things that I would love to spend it on. I just have not committed to anything yet. Um, like I said, I just purchased a house. So there's some things around the house that I would love to do. Um, I need a new fence and I want new doors and a deck. And so I, I haven't figured out where that's going yet, but my students and I definitely spent the money for the classroom and they had a ball picking out different things that they would love to see in the classroom. So we have new carpets, we have new, um, a big reading nook where they could kind of like be like bears and hibernate in a cave. It's like a big open. So they love that. Um, they picked out all sorts of toys that they wanted. So it was really cool to share that with them. Megan, uh, what stood out to you and our judges about Alderine and Heather. We know they're they're charming and very smart and great teachers, but what was it that stood out to, to you guys? Well, sure. And it, and it was tough. I mean, we had six really great finalists. We, we tend to get really great finalists every year. Um, and so it makes the, the process even tougher because um, you, you really have to shine above to stand out. And um, obviously you can tell with both of them, they do. <laughs> I would say their passion for early childhood education by far was something that the fine, uh, the interview panel talked about how um, that really stood out. They're both very passionate people about what they do. They do it because they love what they do and they want to make a difference in the four-year-olds and five-year-olds that they serve in their classrooms. And um, they go to work every day because they love going to work every day. They don't do it because it's a job. And I think that really, when I asked all of them kind of what, what stood out, that's definitely something that came to mind. 
Well, as Teachers of the Year, you serve as ambassadors for Georgia's pre-K program. A big part of that is modeling effective classroom practices. So if you had to choose three effective practices that you use daily, what uh, would they be and what would you like to share? Heather, I'll start with you this time. Um, so I think to be effective in the classroom, especially with the little ones, we need to be consistent. And I think that consistency is definitely the key with them, learning routines and procedures. And um, eventually the classroom runs like a well-oiled machine and the kids know what to do and when we do things. Um, a really big piece, I think, is love. Every child in the classroom knows that they are loved. Their families know that they're loved and they're taken care of. Um, even if they do something wrong or, you know, they break something or, you know, something catastrophic happens. They know they're loved. Um, and every day is a new start for them. And I think that they appreciate that too. Um, it's not held on to that the child was, you know, behaving in a way that they shouldn't be behaving and, you know, that they feel like they don't want to go to school. They don't feel that way because we don't make them feel that way. We love them as they are. And we help them grow. And I think another big thing to be effective in your classroom is showing grace to your students. Um, nobody's perfect. They are four and five years old, regardless to teaching pre-K anywhere. They're, they're human. We make mistakes. And I think showing grace is a big thing. Um, and, and it shows in the classroom, too. If you walked in the classroom, you can see that the kids truly love each other. So I do a lot of social emotional learning in my classroom. We do a lot of practicing and modeling and um, it's awesome to see them take it upon themselves. If somebody takes a toy from them, you hear them use their big voice as we call it. And they're like, I don't like when you take my toy, please give it back. And I'm across the room and I hear it and it just makes me feel all the feels that we're really making a difference to these children. And I think when you genuinely love your kids, they genuinely love you back and each other, and it really, truly goes a long way. What about you, Alderine? So for me, what I wanna share is the way that I do my instructions. So I make sure that my instructions are deliberate, differentiated, and diverse. Deliberate, for example, I want to set a positive tone at the beginning of each day. I do this by including an inspirational song as part of my morning activities. So this song reinforces that they're feeling good today. It's telling them that they're feeling good today and ready to learn and play. Um, this introduction to the day allows both teachers and students to reset and get themselves mentally and emotionally ready for a positive day. As, um, um, as Heather said, you know, at the beginning of every day, we want to start out positive. We have to be graceful and learn to leave what happened behind and move on every day. Um, my instructions are differentiated. For example, during small groups, even if I'm doing the same activities, they're at different levels so that all the children will be challenged. So for example, if I'm doing a rhyming words for the advanced group, I will say produce two rhyming words. For the intermediate group, I would give them options. And for the kids who need additional support, I would you know, tell them to give me thumbs up or thumbs down. So they're all learning rhyming words, but I have different levels to challenge them. And the other thing I would like to share is to ensure that our instructions are diverse. Um, so apart from dancing during music and movements, I also teach them um, choreograph sequence, like line dancing, and they really enjoy that. And also to retell our stories instead of just asking them what happened next, what happened next. We retell stories through plays. And some of their favorite songs, we turn it into a musical theater style delivery by including movements and exaggerated expressions. Um, these practices make learning fun, engaging, and interesting. I was going to say, I, I want to sign up for both of their classes. It sounds like it would be amazing every day. Nothing like, yeah, there's another thing I think we should do is around our office, sing a positive song in the morning and say, you're feeling good. You're working hard. You know, that kind of thing. That's a great just thing. the one for you. Okay. Yeah. Hello world. We're going to, we're going to incorporate it for sure. Now, both of your classes have been meeting in person uh, during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. What kinds of challenges have you faced by 
choosing that model over hybrid or full distance learning? Alderaine? Meeting in person is the best for this age group because we focus mainly, as Heather says, on social emotional development. And this can only be done effectively when they interact with their peers. The main challenge that I'm experiencing is that muscle sounds behind the mask, which makes enunciating and articulating difficult, especially during phonological awareness activities. I have done virtual classes and some of my students were not able to participate due to technical challenges or just not having a device. And sometimes it's so hard to keep them focused during virtual learning. I had to use a mute all button way too often to manage the social. <laughs> so despite the mask, hiding our expressions and social distancing, limiting our physical contact, I still prefer in-class instructions because there is just more participation. Heather, how about you? So we, as a school system, have been in-person. We do have the option uh, for families to be virtual, except we didn't do that for pre-K since I'm the only pre-K class in our building. Um, so being here and um, during this pandemic, what's been challenging is trying to keep everything separate because... In pre-K, you know, you teach the children to learn, to share, and um, work together. So trying to keep everything separate has definitely been a challenge. So we had to be creative with where we store everything for the kids. Instead of having a big pot for crayons, all the kids have their own bags of crayons and pencils and so forth. Even manipulatives, you don't think about that. You know, you, you, you need manipulatives to complete an activity. And we would always just go into the pot and grab them out. Well, now we had to separate and give each kid 10 of these and 15 of those. And, you know, so that's been challenging. In the beginning, the masks were definitely a challenge for the kids, trying to get them to keep it on their faces. Um, but I think it's all now just routine because we've been consistent with it, that it's just part of the day. I mean, some of them need reminders, put it over the nose, but um, they don't know any different. You know, these pre-K kids, this is normal to them, I would say, um, because they don't, they've never been to school, most of them before. So wearing a mask is just how they think they need to be. So it's not affecting them in any way. It's more of a struggle for us, I think, as adults to try to figure out how to make it work and make it fun. So separating everything out was definitely a challenge, but we've got it. They all got their bins, they got their supplies. And, and now when we need them to do things, it's go ahead to your bin and get your crayons and come back. We've also had to put dividers up on our tables. That's been a challenge for us. We have clear dividers. So whereas we would have four kids sitting at a table, now we can only have two because I have small tables in my room. So now there's a divider in the middle. So then I had to get trays and have some kids sit on, at, on the floor with a tray. So they weren't really on the floor. But so it's been it's been challenging, to say the least, but we've made it work. And the kids, like I said, they don't know any difference. So it's OK. That's a new rule in my classroom this year. Keep on your mask. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and Reg, I was just going to throw in just observing throughout all this with our summer program and with our pre-K teachers of the year and other things. It's amazing. Like they just do it, you know, and that's what I think is so cool. I mean, you guys. We'll do whatever you need to do to make it work. And it's it just, it's amazing that you guys have put all that effort in and these kids are still just going to school and learning and it doesn't seem like anything else is going on to them. So thank you for that. Yeah, I was thinking, we just want to recognize the fact that you guys have done such a great job uh, in being so flexible. And I don't know, Heather, until, I've, uh, until you just said that, that I've thought about all the details right. in this. Yeah. It's amazing. But the thing is, they're thriving, you know, they're, they're not, they're not, you know, behind, you know, and I feel sorry for the older children who have missed a whole lot, you know, with the virtual going virtual the way we had to at the end of last year and losing that instruction. I feel like our children this year, they don't know any different and they're thriving because they're getting out what we're putting into it. And, you know, we have been putting a lot of effort into keeping it as normal as we can for them. And so we laugh all day, we play all day, we sing all day, and we just, you know, we're flexible. We, we got a new custodian, perfect example. So his schedule's different than our other custodian. 
And so we're working around it. And, and that's what we teach them. You have to be flexible. And that's just, that's what it is. We're, we're flexible and they're learning that, you know, as we like routine, we have to also, <laughs> you know, be flexible at times, you know, and it's, it's awesome. I mean, this is definitely, I think if everybody had a chance to teach pre-K for one day, I think that they should try it, you know, switch places and, and try it. It's, it's a fun place to be. That's what we should do next year, Megan. Switch yeah. Places. yeah. <laughs> there you go. We'll like go it. teach your classes and you can come to the downtown yeah. office. Let's take that. that right. Let's take that recommendation. I will sure. do that. <laughs> um, well, last month it was a lot of fun to uh, get a sneak peek into your classrooms, into your daily routine during our annual pre-K teacher of the year, social media takeover. Uh, what was the experience like for you and for your students? Did they notice that something may have been a little bit different that day? Alderine, I'll start with you. Uh, for my class, it was business as usual because I take pictures and I videotape them every day. And I do that because at the end of the year, I put together a video um, to show the parents all the things that we're doing. So it was normal for them for me to be taking pictures. Um, but um. I was pleasantly surprised with the feedback from the parents because they had no idea we did so much in pre-K. So for me, I was just happy to share what we do and hope that the community continues to respect um, the pre-K program and our profession. But as for my kids, it was nothing new. What about you, Heather? It's the same for us. It was definitely business as usual. Um, we, we take photos. Uh, my my co-teacher, Miss Bing, she takes pictures and videos all the time for us. Um, one of the things we got for our classroom was a brand new easel. And I tell you guys, this easel is like the Mac Daddy of easels. And it is like my favorite thing. And the first day I was ready to write on it, I was hugging it and kissing it. And they just, they love, you know, they love to be in the spotlight. And I told them that we were going to take pictures and videos and they were going to be posted on social media. And most of them know what that is, by the way. <laughs> and um, they loved it. They're like, we're going to be famous. I said, yeah, we're going to be famous. So they loved it. They're like, take a picture of this. Did you get me here? Look, Miss Melillo. And they're smiling and cheesing. And it was good. We had a fun time with it. Well, it was great. And we encourage everybody, if you missed it uh, in December, December is kind of a busy month with, uh, you know, a lot of holidays and a lot of things going on. Go back on our Facebook and Instagram and take a look uh, to see uh, the great time we had uh, spending a full day. We called it a social media takeover by our pre-K teachers of the year. Well, um, in applying for pre-K teacher of the year, you had a classroom observation, submitted a small group video, and faced a panel for a professional interview. Heather, what was the most challenging for you of those? Just like when our principals come in and do our observations, you're nervous for like the first second and then you just forget that they're even there because you're just in your zone. You're doing you and it's it's all good. So that was fine. Videoing a small group. Again, you're in your zone. You're doing you. It's fine. But that interview. Oh, <laughs> my word. Okay. I feel you, Heather. Oh, I feel you. I was beyond nervous. I, you know, you never know what they're going to ask you. And then you're on the spot answering these questions. And I don't even know if half of what I said even made sense. And then I try to go back and think about, oh, my gosh, they asked me this. And I said that. Oh, my gosh. Why didn't I say this? And so it was like, you know, you were going, your mind was going 8,000 different directions. Your mouth was speaking like 100 words a minute. And then it, it did, I didn't even know if I made sense. And then you see them on Zoom. So now you see their faces. And you know how, like, there's glitches. And you don't know if they're smiling at you. You don't know what they're doing. They're staring at you. You know, it was, I, I, I was like, I had a headache after the interview. I was like, I don't even know. I went to my, I went to my mother's house and I was like, I don't even know. I don't even know what I said. And she's laughing. She's like, Heather, calm down. You probably were fine. I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I should have said this and that. So interview hands down was the most difficult for me because I do, I panic and I, I just talk. <laughs> so apparently I, I did okay. <laughs> I, I heard, and of course we're doing this via Zoom. Uh, I saw Alderine firmly gave you an amen. on. Yes. Uh, I on am detoying everything that she says. <laughs> exactly the same experience because the large and the small group, we do that. Right. And 
um, for the small group, all I did was take all the kids who were in aftercare so that I could video after school. And I said, I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to use all levels to show that, yeah. you know, I really can teach. And so that was easy. And the large group was the same thing. I have challenging behaviors in the classroom. And right before I said to one of the directors, can I pull so-and-so from the classroom because they're going to just really mess it up. And then afterwards I said, no, they need to see what I go through. So I included him into it. So the, la- that, that, the, the group, uh, the small group and the large group, that was no problem. But the interview, it was unsettling because I had no idea of the questions that were going to be asked. And just like Heather, I could hear myself just babbling, babbling, babbling. And the, the panel, that poker face, I was getting no feedback. <laughs> that is so true. Even responding directly <laughs> to the questions. And I'm yeah. telling you, after that interview, I had no confidence that I was going to move on in this process. <laughs> I was sure I was done. <laughs> Megan, it sounds like we ruined the lives right? of two professionals. In well, the normal, normally you'd be coming to the downtown office. It'd be, it's actually, I think, a little more intimidating to walk into a room and have three people or four people sitting at a table that you don't know. I say bye-bye and I leave you with them and um, they do the same thing to you. So it's interesting <laughs> to get the feedback on this process because I know people don't like that process either. So I think um, y'all are awesome in the classroom and that's why we do the interview piece of it is that, you know, you are going to be out in the communities and out talking to other people and we want to see how are you on the spot? How do you communicate with adults? So that's, that's why, but I'm sorry that it was terrible. <laughs> but clearly you both came out on top. So <laughs> I think the fact that we weren't getting any confirmation if we actually were responding correctly to the question. Right. So I did not I, tell I them to have more. a poker face. Just so you know, that's I, I just, they've know, been doing I this for more? me for years. <laughs> I wasn't this sure, group has I been doing more? this for years for me and they, um, they're used to it. So there was one lady who kept smiling. I'm like, all right, I got that one. That's good. Okay. Yeah. But it was, it was, you know, I mean, I guess that's it, life, right? Yeah. Right. It left you clueless at the end. We, I, we weren't able to go back and say we ate the interview. Right. <laughs> well, obviously you did very well since uh, you're here with us today, but Megan, we might have to talk about uh, poker faces in our interview <laughs> process uh, for sure. <laughs> Well, we know how important it is to stay in touch with your students and your families during the school year, especially in a pandemic. What are some of your secrets um, in doing that? Heather, you want to start? Sure. Um, So my school system um, last year um, adapted a program called School Status. And so it is an app that we download. And so each parent in our classroom gets their own phone number to us. So like, it's almost as if you're texting the parent and I'm just using the app, but the parent is getting a different phone number. So they have a phone number, but not my cell phone. And we communicate that way. They can call me, they can text message me. I can send pictures to them. Um, and it's all recorded. So somebody at the school system can listen in if there's an issue anywhere. So it kind of cuts down with he said, she said, um, We also, what I do for my class personally is create um, a private Facebook group for my class and I invite all the parents in there. So I'm uploading pictures and videos and um, announcements and anything like that on the Facebook group. Um, When when we went virtual for a week, I think it was a week and a half, we had to shut down. Um, I put assignments up on both places. Um, We recorded videos of pre-recorded lessons and um, so the parents were able to get the information that way. Um, I think it's just quick and simple that that we communicate back and forth um, pretty much on a regular basis, if not regular basis, a weekly basis, we're communicating with each other outside of school. So so I use the remind um, and send weekly pictures so that you can see what's going on. And normally I would have a art wall outside and the bulletin board where they would you know, when they used to drop the kids off, they would get all that information. So now I would take pictures of our, all our chart stories and send it via remind. And I also send a email, a monthly newsletter. But um, as I said before, what I did, what I've been doing is videotaping a lot of our activities and taking a lot of pictures. And for our family 
parent engagement activities because we can't we no longer have it, what I do is presentations. So for example, for Thanksgiving, Ms. Megan was um, invited to one of our live performances. So we would, get, they would zoom in and we would sing and dance and do all those stuff for them. But then I also did a video presentation um, in the evening at seven o'clock, the Zoom link was sent to all the parents. So we had over hundred participants at seven o'clock in the night. So then I showed them the video of all the stuff that the kids did in the classroom or singing, dancing and all those things. So, you know, we really tried to keep the parents involved because that's what I promised them at the beginning of the school year. I told them that I was gonna give them and their students a great pre-K experience. You know, I don't think we've asked this question. I know both of your classes are in person. How's attendance uh, for you this year? Mine's been pretty good. So full 22? Uh, um, we have a full load of 22. Um, a few of them have had to be quarantined because of being in close contact with somebody. But for the majority, it's business as usual. We're here. Okay. Alderine, how I, about you? I have 17 on roll and they come every day. Whenever the lunch lady comes around and taking numbers, she goes, your kids always turn up. <laughs> but yeah, I got the full class of my 17. I love it. You know, we did an earlier podcast on COVID considerations and returning to school, kind of asking, are your children socially and emotionally prepared to come to class, not just from summer vacations, but from isolation, really, you know, from 2020. What are the challenges here uh, for your students? in your opinion? We touched on some of it, but um, what kinds of practical things are, are you facing, Alderain? Some kids were eager to come to um, back to school because initially I think a lot of them think it's just a huge play date. So they were really anxious to come and socialize. Some we did see that att attachment issues, that separation issues. Um, this year we have a car line because normally the parents would walk the kids in and do all their morning routines with them. This year it's a car line. So it's a drop off. They walk to the classroom. And the truth is there's less crying at the beginning of the, the day than when the parents actually take them to the classroom. Mm. So it's that's smoother for me. I know it's tough that our babies didn't get that nice transition, but they're ready for kindergarten now. They're ready for that drop off at the car line. So I believe the challenge for pre-K students as Heather touched on is that routine. They need to get in the mindset that they're coming to school in the mornings, they're doing some predictable activities and then they leave. So that is why it's so important to start a routine immediately so that they can feel some sort of security and control. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Heather, what are you saying? <laughs> So the beginning of the year was a little bit, um, <laughs> let's just say a little crazy, um, being home with just their siblings and coming to school into this classroom and you just see toys and things everywhere. You didn't want to sit and learn who everybody was and learn routines. You wanted to go play with the toys. And that was what was on their mind. You know, when can I play with this? When can I play with that? So, so because I think being home being in public with a whole bunch of people. Now you're talking, there's 22 kids, two adults. It's a lot of people to go, you know, from just being with your family. So I think it was an adjustment for some, many, um, but now they're, they're used to it. Um, siblings not being able to walk their, their brothers or sisters down to the classroom. That was definitely a challenge that we faced in the beginning of the year um, because we have either drop off in the morning from a car or they take the bus. And so the parents weren't allowed to walk them in because we used to let parents walk the kids in for the first week, at least the pre-K kids to get them to their classroom, you know, comfortable. And it was, it was hard for some of them with that attachment to their parents, not wanting to get out of the car, but, um, continued, continue every day, get them out of the car and walk them in. And now it's like, they just, this is part, they know exactly what they're doing. The only question I get every morning is, where are we going today? They want to know what activity we're going to. Are we going to art, music, gym? They want to know where we're going. But it's it's pretty good. They're Like I said, they're resilient and they're amazing. 
We talk a lot about what children learn in pre-K, reading, writing, math, science, social skills. From your perspective, what are the most important things children learn in pre-K? And where do you see the most development in this very important year? Um, I think that social-emotional competencies is a huge, huge piece of early childhood. Um, I just uh, completed my specialist two years ago, and I did my whole research paper on social-emotional competencies in adults and children. And I think it is a really big thing that we as adults truly need to reach in a little bit more and kind of get a a hold on ourselves because... um, the kids see everything, they feel everything, and, and they're going to model what you do. So if you're having big explosions, they're going to have big explosions. If you're being kind and you're taking deep breaths and, you know, trying to refocus before you react, they're going to do the same thing. So for me, a big thing is definitely that social emotional learning piece. Um, again, routines and rituals, it's a big thing. And the kids truly learn each day. You do see little bits and pieces. Um, For me, like our small group activities build on each other each day. And sometimes we repeat the activities. And just from one day to the next with songs and music, you see that that light bulb go off. You see the spark. Um, But after Christmas, when we come back in January, it's like they're new kids. It's like they've grown up. They've matured. they're, They're They're ready to hit the ground running. And it's amazing from that point on that the amount of growth that you see in them is just unreal. I love it. Um, For me, I agree 100% with Heather. The most important domain that needs to be developed in pre-K is social emotional. Um, Because we're preparing children to successfully interact and learn in a school setting. And that takes social and emotional maturity. Um, We also spend a lot of time on language and literacy, Um, not only to teach them to express themselves, which is also a social emotional thing, but also to lay that solid foundation. Mm -hmm. And we do that uh, with phonological awareness activities, reading, writing, because we need to get them on the path to read to learn by third grade. So they progress the transformation from the first day of pre-K to the last day. As Heather says, it amazes me. And what I see the biggest growth is, is in their language development Mm -hmm. and their comprehension skills. Right through the day, even when we're focusing on social, emotional, we're giving them language to teach them how to express themselves. And at the end of the year, they can express themselves. <laughs> yes. Pretty well, I'm sure. <laughs> so, you know, we've talked a little bit about this today, and you guys have given us some great examples of um, kind of a peek into the classroom and the things that you're doing. But maybe if you were to speak to pre-K teachers who are listening today, how do you prepare creative lessons for your students every day? Uh, my school system uh, adopted the program Frog Street. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It's a, a wonderful curriculum created by early childhood specialists um, who've actually been in the field and have done research. And um, it amazes me the, the amount of language that goes into the lessons and how fun, but yet it's difficult. Like everybody who walks in my room, the language that the kids are using, the vocabulary words. I mean, what four-year-old knows what an onomatopoeia is? It just <laughs> blows my mind. And they say it. It So the lessons that are, that are in the curriculum are on their level, although they're difficult, if that makes any sense. It hits them where they need it. And yet, you know, they love learning the words and they comprehend it. But I tell them that they're sounding like second graders. Here's a word, like we, we were doing options. We were doing problem solving last week and the word was options. And I said, it's just a big word for choices. You guys sound like second graders. And they were like, oh, you know, they get all like, you know. So it, it just, that curriculum, and I follow that curriculum and truthfully, truth be told, actually, it has made me a better teacher 
because it was done by early childhood specialists who know what they're talking about. It's not just somebody creating a curriculum for children to use and expect you to use it without ever doing, doing any research. So it's fun. It's engaging. It has music. It has um, magnet stories. It has props. It has everything you could hands-on activities, science experiments. It brings it all in. And there's so many lessons that are cross-curricular. It's just unreal. So I think that everybody should try to look into that, that curriculum. It is amazing. So at the YMCA across the organization, we use the creative curriculum, which is a great resource for activities. And on the center level, we incorporate current events to ensure that the lessons are relevant for the kids. So whatever is going on in the community, in the country, we incorporate that. For example, when we were having elections, we incorporated elections in it. Um, when it's Christmas, we make sure that we include Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and everything. So we make sure that we include whatever it's going on to keep it current. And specifically for my classroom, I make sure I incorporate the performance arts because that's a great way to add interest and variety to the activities. And it also provides opportunities to unearth hidden talents. Mm. Good suggestion. <laughs> and I have gotten to actually been on two of the Zoom calls that Elderine has done with her performances with her students and they are totally into it. They love it. It's been fun Big to watch. Time. Yes. <laughs> Well, Megan, we do this every year. So um, when do you start searching for, I hate to even talk about this in front of Alderine and Heather, because I haven't oh, had no. their year yet, but when do you start <laughs> searching for our new pre-K teachers of the year and accepting applications? Absolutely. And I can't believe it's that time again. Um, so our current plan, and as we know, the word this year is flexible. So um, things can change, but our current plan would be to release the 2021-2022 Pre-K Teacher of the Year application on February 24th, and then it would do, be due back to us by March 17th. And um, we do have a website. Um, so if you go to the DECAL website and go to the Pre-K page, there is a Teacher of the Year tab there. And that's actually where the most up-to-date information will be, as well as the application will be posted there once it's available. And we will post information on our main webpage as well. So currently, those are the dates. Hard to believe we've been doing this five years now, and we do want to give a shout out to our previous pre-K teachers of the year, all of them outstanding and unique uh, and gifted in their own way. 2019-2020, Jonathan Hines and Heather Williams. 2018-2019, Becky Thomas-Hayden and Stephanie Westhaver. 2017-2018, Nathan Leatherwood and Jody McNamara. And 2016-2017, the pioneers, Connie Ellington and Shani Frazier. Outstanding. And, and they have built quite a camaraderie among them. Um, I know, Megan, you kind of keep them together in various ways throughout the year. And they've sort of kind of gotten, not only gotten to know each other, they, they really have formed kind of a little support network. Yeah. And that's been neat to see. Each year, the two finalists, or the two winners, I should say, actually really bond. and then. We allow them to all come back and help with different things throughout the year. Um, and we always invite them to things that are going on if they want to participate. And they usually do. So a lot of them will come back and review Teacher of the Year applications for the, for the next school year. And they do. They have a great group. They're friends offline. They're, they get together when it's not COVID time. So it's, it's actually been really <laughs> neat to see those um, relationships be built. And the nice thing is, is one's a private partner, one's a public partner and that, you know, crossover and learning from each other. What do we do different? What do we do the same? And how can we grow from each other? Um, that's one reason we have two of them. So it has been neat to watch that develop over the years. Yeah. There's, all, there's also a Facebook group with all the pre-K teachers of the year. And um, after it was announced that I was one of the winners, they actually reached out to me on social yeah. media and wrote messages congratulating. And it was really cool to be included in that. Oh, see, I didn't know that. All right. Yeah. So it's a little under the uh -oh, radar. The cat's out of the bed. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I, don't, I don't know if they'll accept me, but maybe, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, this is great. And again, for more information, contact Megan, Summer Transition Program and Outreach Coordinator. She does so many things. Uh, Megan McNail, that's M-E-G-H-A-N dot M-C-N-A-I-L at decal.ga.gov, or you can pick up the phone and give her a call at 770-357-4911. Megan's always great to talk to. Heather and uh, Alderine, this has been great. We could talk all day uh, to you guys. And it's cool. I'm looking at you on a Zoom call. The classrooms are empty. Where are the kids? <laughs> There's a solo. This is actually an, an empty classroom that I'm in. Um, luckily, we have an extra room, so I was able. But my kids are with us so right now and the assistant. Okay. Uh, and mine, Heather, are in, mine are in the classroom with my co-teacher. She's... Handling center time right now. Okay. <laughs> Should we keep this going just to give you a break? <laughs> right? A break? <laughs> <laughs> Another prize, right? <laughs> Listen, we really appreciate you guys being with us. Congratulations again uh, on being Pre-K Teachers of the Year. We're so proud of you. And especially uh, in a year of a pandemic, uh, extra stars to uh, both Jonathan and Heather from last year and you guys this year. We're just, uh, we could not be prouder of the work you're doing. Thanks for joining us today. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, I'm Katie Hagan, and I work in the Inclusion and Behavior Support Unit here in Bullitt County. My question for Commissioner Jacobs is, what do you love most about Inclusive Early Learning Week, which we'll be celebrating February 7th through the 13th? Well, Katie, uh, hello, and good to hear from you. And I am definitely looking forward to Inclusive Early Learning Week, and I love that it always coincides with um, Valentine's Day. I feel like this has got to be our third or fourth year celebrating it, and I'm excited about it because a lot of folks don't understand what we mean by um, inclusion or inclusive early learning and the importance of that. And so um, I think it's a great week to celebrate the amazing work that DECAL does in that area, but also to bring awareness to what we mean um, around inclusion and inclusive early learning envi environments and, and what that means to the general public and why it's important to early learning. So I'm looking forward to participating in February. You know, there's a little competition here between that team and our pre-K team because they know pre-K week is such a big deal. So it's right. kind of fun to see them roll out all the activities and things that are going on. And I don't think a pandemic's going to stop them this year. I think they're going to be really, really hard at work. I can't wait to see what they have planned. It's always a great week. Now that you've listened to Decal Download, this is your opportunity at winning a nice prize in the quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers we receive. Email your response as fast as you can because people get excited about this. DecalDownload at decal.ga.gov. Here's the question. You've met Alderine and Heather on today's podcast. Name any one of our previous Georgia Pre-K Teachers of the Year. Name any one of our previous Georgia Pre-K Teachers of the Year. We'll put all the correct answers together, draw out one name, give away a nice prize. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M -M Jacobs.